Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. And welcome to the 202nd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser, and we are here tonight to talk to you about the beginning of free agency, the official trade of Russell Wilson, some of the oddest press conference moments in what is always uh, a team that's full of odd press conference moments, and whatever else we can come up with. Uh, it's going to be a hectic hour of talk. It's going to be great. Uh, we expect that Nathan Ernst will join us as well. Unfortunately, we will not be joined by Evan Hill or Dana O'Gorman tonight. They have other commitments, and uh, we're just happy to have Jeff here. So uh, with me, uh, as you can see, if you cannot see, it is Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How are you doing, dude? It's, I'm very conflicted or these days. Uh, it's a very, it's a very fun time for sports and be a football fan. I can't get off my phone. I'm on Twitter like every second of the day, but man, the Seahawks keep it interesting. It's been a crazy, it's been an insane day. They've just really since that Russell trade, it's been like nonstop stuff. So man, today was really interesting. <laughs> it was a crazy day. How are you feeling you know, a few days after the Russell Wilson trade, we had our, our live reaction show and shared our feelings then. 
have your feelings changed at all? You know, how, how are you feeling now a few days later? I think when we did the initial show, I was still in complete shock. And I really was focused on the return of the trade. And I was still recovering just from the fact that they actually did it. The more I thought about it, and I've kind of understood and I've kind of wrapped my head. I'm okay with it. The more I've thought about it, I am okay with it. Based on what's come out now, there was no future here with Russell and the team. It was not going to work. He had asked that. I thought it was going to be one year later, but they were just going to delay the inevitable. Russell won for me. And by all indications from Russell's side, I didn't want to deal with him and his agent anymore. So I'm okay with it. I was getting really excited on like either Sunday or Monday. I can't remember what it was. I think it was Sunday. Where when I said I realized like the cap room they had this year, the cap room they had next year, the draft capital they have, I'm like, okay, hey, this is like a great situation to rebuild quickly. But then free agency started and they started doing some weird shit again. So I got pretty down all over again. And today was a really interesting day because the personnel side today, I thought Seattle Hawks had an awesome day. I thought they did everything you should be doing in their spot. I thought they made three or four moves. There's a rumored visit we'll probably talk about. All of it was very exciting. And then the press conference started and it brought back a lot of emotions. So I'm okay with the Russell trade to answer your question. I, I think the team really needed a reset, either to reset their cap, to reset their model. I don't think they were going to go anywhere. You saw what Vaughn Miller and Chandler Jones signed for. I don't think that would have happened in Seattle, even with Russell. So I do think this was the right move in the end, but man, they got to use these draft picks well. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I knew this would come up in the chat. I was kind of waiting to see how long it would. It is not a Broncos shirt, um, in case people were wondering about that. Um, but I did leave it on intentionally. I knew as soon as I saw myself uh, that that was going to come up. Seemed fitting to to keep it on. I will tell you this, Jeff. Um, I have found myself. I, I was not that upset about the trade. You no, know? no, you were not. I just was not that upset. I feel like Seahawks have a lot of work to do with or without Russell. I think there was a path to being interesting sooner with Russell. You know, I feel like, and I've written about that. I thought Pete Carroll lost his identity trying to satisfy and trying to get in. I think he was entranced by Russell Wilson for a number of years. And I think he lost his way and that would be okay if he hired like the right guys to accentuate Russ. And if Russ was also good enough in the ways he needed to be to take advantage of that. But I felt like they just ended up in this weird middle ground that was just not great at anything. And um, I'm happy to some extent to get a fresh start. And people might say Pete and John are here. That's not a fresh start. Well, it feels fresh to me. It feels fresh to me. It feels it feels closer to when we, we they, they first got here. Feels like the priority is going to be defense and the trenches and being a physical football team and probably getting back to, you know, being an effective running team and having the quarterback be a complement to that. And that they're going to then go and look and try to find the quarterback at some point to complement the rest of the team. I'm okay with that. I might even be good with that, to be honest. So that's one part of it. The other part of it, just on a personal note, and I'm sure this will get misinterpreted a million different ways, and it's fine. Oh boy, I like keeping it real. Like I'm not gonna uh, say anything that that I don't feel. The 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 more I've seen Russell clips since he's left, 
the more he's annoyed me. I mean, to be totally honest, like I, I never was a huge fan of his demeanor. I, I think of Russell Wilson as the Sean Alexander of quarterbacks for Seattle, like super productive, super good, you know, MVP or hall of fame, like, like really, really talented, but also like not the, maybe not like the, the guy that you want to have a beer with or hang out with. And, and a lot of fans have really negative opinions of, of Sean Alexander. I don't think as many hands have negative opinion of Russell, but I just, his acts, like it, it just rubs me the wrong way. The, the, and it's only been a week. So I don't know if that's going to be the case for other people. Maybe everyone else is like, Jesus, Brian, like your true colors are showing and like that that's possible. Like maybe that that's just the, the reality, but I just, um, this, this general, the outcome of this, a lot of people are going to shit on Pete and John and that's fine. I think there's plenty of reasons to do that. I just feel like this left me with an icky feeling about Russ and his group and how I think passive aggressive and um, manipulative I think they were in this situation. And so I, I don't know, that's just me being real. Like I, I, I I'm just being honest because I think there might be other people that are thinking that um, or other people that are going to now be able to, you know, needle me for saying it. Yeah, you covered a lot of points there. And uh, so Pete sort of in a, in a way acknowledged what you were saying. There was a few lines in there today where he talked about how you can't you build a philosophy around players instead of building. And he sort of admitted that they got away from what he was doing well. And he was Pete was excited. Uh, Pete came off a little nuts today. But <laughs> he, oh man, Pete was Pete's opening thing was out of his mind. He sounded like a grandfather. Like Pete was out of his mind today. But oh man, in terms of your Russell stuff, I don't disagree. I watched. I was tweeting the uh, Broncos press conference while it was happening, and he, man, he listen. I love the player, but man, Russell is so full of shit. It is hard to listen to him talk now that he's not my quarterback, but man, uh, I'm still like floored from the Pete and John press conference today. That was one of the more bizarre. I'm so curious to hear what Nathan has to say about this, but man, that was a crazy day. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 has joined us. Hi. It's been a very long time since we've Mm -hmm. had a chance to talk to you, dude. How have you been? Uh, I was doing great until about 15 minutes ago, and then everything blew up, uh, all minor uh, things, like, you know, crazy kids and stuff. But, uh, yeah, doing good again. So uh, it's been good. Uh, h- how are you? How have things been for you? Um, I'll be honest, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to get going a little ramble so you have time to turn your mic down a little bit. Um, uh. you're, you're blasting a bit for folks. But, um uh, it's been a really rough couple of weeks for me, uh, some personal stuff that's gone pretty bad with some friends and some, a friend's daughter that, that we lost. But, um, uh, I also have been cramming for job interviews. I feel like a teenager all of a sudden, and I'm like learning about FinTech and crypto and banking. I like learned how debit cards worked and fraud detection and weird shit, dude. So I've been I've actually been really enjoying that part. Um, Are we going to start selling Hawk Blogger NFTs here soon? <laughs> oh boy! 
Yeah, I think I think Evan's nipple as Rashad Penny's eye will be the first <laughs> NFT we sell. Um, is, is probably where we'll start. Um, That'll be the first NFT of any value, I think. Yeah. Your beard, I think there's there's NFT potential and what we could do with your beard, but or like the mic hitting you in the face. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I here's a total admission. Like this has never happened in my life. I didn't know free agency was kicking off on Monday. I was so heads down and other things. I started seeing texts come out about who's signing where. And I'm like, oh, that's today. Like, I'm usually waking that's up, like, like yeah. tracking 17 Twitter columns, you know, like. But I had no idea. That's that's rem- that's how far, far removed I've been. So uh, tell me, Nathan, let's start with let's start with the free agent signings. Can we do that? Um, yes. I'd like to get into that and then we'll come back to the Russell and the, the Pete conference and all that kind of stuff. But, um, what is your favorite free agent signing so far, Nathan? And what is one that maybe you have more questions about? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to pick from here. Um, in terms of signings, uh, I guess either way, um, the, is it Nuosu? Nuosu? Jenna? Um, I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, I don't think he has any kind of like star potential or anything like that. Um, but I think he should be a really nice fit for what they want to do. Um, uh, I think, you know, we won't be freaking out about having him drop because that's definitely something that's in his skill set uh, and something he's been asked to do like in the past, not new to him. Uh, and then he's, uh, you know, a, a solid pass rusher. So um, I think he's kind of cool. I think he evens out what they're doing on defense a lot. Um, and then I think, you know, the Disley thing isn't like world ending. It's, it seems not good for sure. It it definitely seems like bad value, but not like some awful deal. Uh, it's not six years, 120 million for like a 33 year old player. Uh, so, but that one, I mean, they definitely seems like they spent too much. So, uh, hopefully maybe a new quarterback will unlock that position a little bit more and and they may see that value, but um, I don't know. So let's recount some of the moves that have been made. And I looked it up online. I don't know if this is true, but I think the pronunciation is Wosu. Okay. Um, we'll go with that for now. But, uh, uh, and I should have looked up his first name as well. Um, but uh, Wosu from the Chargers, uh, a couple of years, like 10 million bucks a year, something along those lines. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, they signed Artie Burns for one year, 2 million, um, a cornerback. Uh, they re-signed Will Disley for what sounds like um, 15 million guaranteed, something along those lines, which was a big number. Yeah. Um, they re-signed Sidney Jones for I want to say like three and a half million, something. Yeah, like that's right around that. Uh, they signed um, uh, who else did they re-sign? Al Woods. Al Woods, right? Like four and a half a year, like a double the salary from last year for two yeah. years. Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs, three years, 40. Is that right? Yep. All right. Um, so. And they added the center today, Austin Blythe. Ah, Austin Blythe. Yes. Yes. For one year, $4 million, correct? Yeah. Okay. So um, just recapping those moves. Uh, Jeff, same question to you. What, you know, what are you most excited about? What, where do you have some, some hesitation about? Yeah, they haven't done anything too exciting. So I think, I think 
Uosu or whatever you want to say his name. I thought that's exactly what they should be doing at this juncture of where the roster is, what they need. And I actually mentioned him on a different podcast earlier in the week. I thought he was a guy that made a lot of sense. He's 25 years old. He showed a lot of upside and flashes. He had really good advanced metrics last year. So that's what they should be taking chances on. And it's a lot of scheme familiarity. He played in Brandon Staley's defense last year, which is a big Fangio defense. And that's what Seattle's going to run with Hurd and with Sean Desai. So not a lot of other moves. I thought Austin Blythe had made sense. He was a guy we actually looked at last year. I, I think that might be a sign of they're moving on from Ethan Posick, which is something a lot of us has been looking at for years. But I'd say maybe not a move I disliked, but I thought the move they should have made. That I'm, I wasn't. I think what well, Nathan made some really good points in our chat and Evan. Uh, I think they should have signed DJ Reed. I think that was a big mistake, hmm. and I, I think they've left a pretty big hole at corner. And while I have, I like the Burns move. I think that again. Burns is a 26-year-old player, played well, for a former first-round pick. I liked him at $2 million, but I think locking down the right side of their defense would have been a good move. And the Disley thing, I just thought they, they completely overvalued him. I think he's, he's going to be a better player if they have a different kind of quarterback. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more so they see value. But Seattle's had issues with valuation in the past, both in the draft and the free agency market. And it's hard to see how they got up that high. There was a lot of talk that Denver wanted to bring in Disley with Russell. So maybe they got into a bidding war and got overextended, but this looked like another example of them misevaluating both on Reed's side and on Disley's side. I think they misevaluated both those players. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take those. Let's take those. Um, so I, I definitely agree that the, the price tag for Disley seems exorbitant. Like he has not produced anywhere near, even like when, our, even our joking levels of production with him are not what he got paid. So, I mean, it's confusing. It's confusing how they came to that number and they are pretty much a, a group that when they set a number, they don't go above it. So it's almost as if they believe he's worth this and they just cool. got Noah fan. They've got Colby Parkinson I think Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant, they're both, well, Noah Fant especially is not a good blocker. So he's more of a receiver in some ways than tight end. So I understand Disley's value there, but blocking tight ends, like the, I don't think Disley is purely like a blocking tight end, but he hasn't like proven recently to be a lot more than that. So I don't know. I, it feels like a weird place to spend that kind of money. It feels like there could have been other places other than tight end to put, that kind of money or to go over but it's done i happen to really like will disley so i don't mind having him on the team like there, there's that good news but that i agree with that I, I differ on the t- on, on the cornerback one i i, I as someone who's propo- a very strong proponent of bringing back reed and sydney jones between the two of them i much prefer them bringing back sydney jones at his deal than dj reed as his and i think um part of that is just where they are like one, I don't think we know how this defense is going to look next year. I think that what Sean Desai and um, and Carl Scott and Clint Hurt are going to do with the secondary and the coverages, I think it's going to be pretty, potentially very different than what we've seen. They may be looking for different corner styles than what we've come to know. And without Russell here, I mean, this is the big question for us. Like, 
my mindset is like this isn't about winning at all next year this is about starting to rebuild and and starting to get back towards having a great roster signing dj reed who i think is a good cornerback i do not think he's a great quarterback cornerback like i'm okay because there's also like some really good corners in the draft like it's not out of the realm of possibility that they end up with a pretty great one at nine if they choose to go that direction so um i doubt they'll do that because they don't usually draft cornerbacks that early but um anyway so i i actually like the Artie burns signing i like that one i think that's a great one right like and and then you've got some other guys in the background um bless austin got released today so he's not going to be part of it but you've got john reed you've got the guy michael jackson who actually like looked like potentially really interesting you got trey brown who now you don't have to depend on he, maybe he slides in at nickel, um, you know, which would be interesting. Or maybe, I don't know if Burns has that capability. But so anyway, I, I'm okay with them rolling the dice a little bit more on the corner position. Um, Reed was not a, like, you have to get this guy kind of player to me in this kind of situation. But I understand. I understand your thought there. Um, the... Other piece here. So we, when we first started talking uh, off season, we were all saying like edge rusher, and it seemed like that was a big priority. And we were talking about Von Miller's and we were talking about Chandler Jones's and we were talking about Ladarius Jack, uh, uh, Ladarius Smith. Yeah. Zadarius Smith yeah. and other guys that could be available. Then the Russell move happened. I just stopped thinking about those guys. Yeah, me too. Are you guys in the same place? Like uh, Nathan, you know, would you have wanted the Seahawks to spend the money that Von Miller got or that Chandler Jones got this year? I mean, not the not not that Miller got that. Uh, I know that the the numbers are you know inflated and everything, but that's still a massive deal. Um, look, I mean, I think there's there's two things here, right? There's the <laughs> the reality that we want and the reality that is, and we can talk all day long about how they should rebuild and tear down and do all that stuff, and they're not going to do it. Um, uh, it's just not in the cards. So uh, at least I don't think so. Um, and, and Pete, you know, said a lot to that in his press conference today. Um, so I, I would still have been interested in Chandler Jones uh, at his price point and everything. Um, you know, uh, if they're gonna, if they're gonna do this, you know, they better get, they better get really good on defense because, you know, right now it's Drew Locke and they talked about having Drew Locke in competition with Gino and everyone's like oh yeah but Malik Willis is going to be the next Russell and I mean maybe but I wouldn't bet on it like especially out of the gate you know he's a uh he does not have all of the polish and experience uh that that rested even in coming out of college so um yeah so I I uh I I was yeah I was in on DJ Reed um I was in on Chandler Jones like uh, I think those were I mean, they're good players. They were uh, Jones and Reed, I think both came in at reasonable prices. And so if they're going to be serious about continuing to contend, then I think they should have been in there more. Uh, so I'm interested. I got to dig a little bit more on the comment, Nathan, that we can want them to rebuild or whatever, but that's not going to happen. With their quarterback situation, no matter what they say, do you see a path to them not being – in a rebuilding year? I mean, it depends on what, 
and not in a rebuilding year yes not in a like are they going to get into a good year i mean that i don't know <laughs> like i mean that's going to depend on them putting together a defense but like i think the idea that they're going to strip it down and win three games next year like that won't happen ah. No, no, okay. no right. I, don't think, I don't even want them to do that, to be honest. I know, Jeff, you do, and I want to hear why, but I, I don't want that. I just – I don't expect them to be a top 15 team next year. I don't either, but, like, I think that they're going – you know, Pete's going to do everything he can to win every game, and so they're probably going to win seven games, right, six or seven games, even with Gino or, or Drew Locke, just because – I mean, we've seen how Pete can grind out some wins. So you're right, you're right. So, in, and I, I don't disagree with that. So, whether they say they're rebuilding or not, when you've got a team that's probably a seven, probably a six to nine win team, you know, most likely, that's the question of: Do you want them on top of that, spending top dollar on free agents, guys that are in their thirties? Like, that's my question. Like, Chandler Jones is 30, right? Or a little older, yeah. Yeah, a little older than that, right? So it just feels like the window is different. Like, even if they get Malik Willis and he's great, you're 100% right. He is not. Like, Russell Wilson was pro-ready when he came out. That's not Malik Willis. So there are a couple years, like maybe next year, maybe if everything goes right, but probably they're a couple years away from being a contending team. So it just feels odd to me to be going after the, the A-list free agents this year, um, unless they're like 25 and, you know, so good, but those guys would be franchised. Anyway. But so, I mean, we signed Chandler Jones and then, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's an, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation. What does Chandler Jones prevent you from doing? Just getting the 11th pick instead of the 14th pick? Or the 14th pick instead of the 11th pick? That kind of thing? Yeah, it's yeah, like, for what it's worth, like, this is not a right or wrong thing. This, but yeah. this is a fun thing. We're just shooting the shit about, like, what we would want to do. I guess, for me, I kind of want to keep more powder dry on and, and spend spend what we spend on younger players that could be coming, you know, that could be in their prime or, you know, not exiting their prime when you need them most. And to spend like, if you're going to spend money on Chandler Jones and probably his best years are going to be the next couple. And those aren't probably going to be your next, your best years. There just feels like a mismatch of when you'd spend, but like, uh, Wosu, God dang it. I need I feel terrible. I just have not spent the time looking, but in any event, he's like 25, right? I think. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like he's not Chandler Jones, no doubt about it, but he's a lot cheaper and potentially he could be, if, if he is coming of age, he could be great for the next five years. Like maybe not, maybe it doesn't happen, but I just like those kind of gambles a little bit more in these situations. He's only signed for two years though, right? Yeah. Right. So if he does become the next big thing, you got to pay him when you're good again. Oh, yeah. But that's not a problem, right? Because because you don't have – at that point, you haven't, like um, – you have the cap space. That's not even an issue. It's more just, like I, – I, maybe that's your point, is, like, get Chandler Jones now and then, you know, buy someone else a couple of years from now. Right. I mean, maybe you can grab Wosu in two years if he does explode at that point, right? Right. Um, and, I, you know – I 
I've kind of lost faith in the idea that like you get him in and you know, Oh, he's more likely to stay. I mean, like, you know, when you see guys like DJ Reed just leaving for the jets, like <laughs> yeah, how much did that really get you? So uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I guess my thing, and I kind of have been thinking about something you've been saying a lot, Jeff, that like, it just doesn't, I just want them to have a clear vision. Yes. And if their goal is to like compete like hell, which is, I mean, always what Pete's going to say, but I, I think he's really going to try to do it, then do it. Like, uh, you know, and I, I don't want, I, I don't want anyone to take away from this conversation that I'm mad about the Wosu signing. Like, even if you are going for it all, the Wosu signing is, I think, good. Uh, I, he's a little expensive, but good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of my thing. Like, I, if, if I had my druthers, I would probably have them try to strip it down and, and really tank for a year or two. Uh, I just don't think it's there. And so I, I want to be all in on something, I guess. So Jeff, we've been chatting back and forth. I'm giving you a minute of airtime. Um, you're being very Canadian and friendly about it. Uh, so let's come over to you. You've kind of been advocating and chat like tank, tank, tank. I want the first pick. So, so talk to me about that a little bit. Talk to me where your head's at. Um, I wouldn't say I want them to tank. I just think I want to put them in a roster that's not doing everything they can to compete. So I don't know if that's the same thing or a little different, but I think a lot of it has to do with just my like jealousy as a football fan, just seeing what's happening with like with the chargers right now and seeing the model of what is working in this NFL. And I think having that quarterback on the rookie contract, which allows you to aggressively spend elsewhere, whether that's offensive line and make swings on defense. And we've seen the chargers have done with, J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack in the last week. And there's nothing more fun as a football fan than that. They're building up for a Super Bowl run. They got the model to do it. That's what I want the Seahawks to reset their model to. And I think the best way to get that quarterback is to position yourself at the top of the draft. And to be honest, though, I think it was Nate. I can't remember who said in the chat the other day. Someone said, we, that's just not realistic, and we have to be honest with ourselves, and you're just setting yourself up for disappointment for so I honestly, I thought about that a lot and I, kind of, I, I know I would want the Seahawks to bottom out and suck next year, especially after hearing Pete talk today. I just know that's probably a waste of energy. And I know it might be what I think is the best thing for the roster. If I'm going to sit here and criticize them or sit here and get upset if they win, it's just a waste of energy. So while I do think it might be the best for them, the 2023 draft class to me is, has some really interesting names. There's a guy at Alabama, there's a guy at Ohio State, there's some other guys. So to me, that sets up the best way to move forward with having two firsts next year, having like 100 million in cap space. I think to me, that sets up a huge opportunity to bounce back. And the NFC is going to be wide open in the next couple of years. That, that sort of plan got foiled when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady came back. So, um, yeah, so I'm okay with them being – I think this season's going to essentially be a 2011 season. That what it was in Seattle, where what I think they should do is spend a lot of resources on the offensive line, spend a lot of resources on defense, and put the team in the position. If they do draft the quarterback, you have the infrastructure in place and you have the model in place. So I think everything they've said on Drew Locke is mostly bullshit. I don't buy it. I buy that they probably think he is a distressed asset and they can fix him because they are the most arrogant team maybe in the league right now. And the way they talk is very infuriating. But I don't believe, like, on one hand, they're like, we love Drew Locke. And then two seconds later, John was pissed off and made some snide comment that Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause and they couldn't go get him. 
So if they thought Drew Locke was any good, why are they going after Deshaun Watson a day after trading? So I don't believe there were some just hints to Pete and John. Uh, Pete, I think, referenced Matt Flynn, which was the, the, the instant comparison, I thought. The way they're talking about Drew Locke reminds me a lot of how they're talking about Matt Flynn. I think it's smoke for something. I don't know if that's something in the draft. I don't know if that's another trade or something next year. I don't buy that at all. But really, I think they're just going to try to build up the rest of their team, see what they can do. And then someone, one of the reporters today, brought up it being a bad draft class at quarterback. And John got really uncomfortable. He had a weird answer. He was like, who says it's not good? And like him and Pete got a little awkward. So I don't know if they like someone in the draft this year, but this idea of me hoping they tear it down and trying to lose all their games or trying to set up, I just, I've kind of lost that in two days. I don't, I don't think it's really, hearing Pete talk today about like second chances and competing. And, uh, you know, yeah, but we heard him talk about that he's not trading Russell and like. Well, that's what I mean. Everything he says is he's full of shit, but you can tell he seemed genuinely enthused again. Like he went on a 15 minute filibuster about John Wooden and Colin Kaepernick. And it was fucking crazy. He was, if you did not, if you're not a Pete Carroll guy, this gave you a, every ounce of evidence that this guy seems way out of his mind so <laughs> like it was fucking crazy nathan you have a chance to watch the press conference i unfortunately missed the the crazy pants part of the uh, interview or the, the press conference um i i caught some of the stuff around watson and some of the stuff uh the bobby stuff some a lot of that stuff but i, I missed the the rant apparently well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it leave it alone then, um, <laughs> since we don't have as much uh, coverage on that part. But I want to talk about like we we hinted at it a little bit that at least for me, my expectations and my priorities for the Seahawks offseason changed with the Russell move, and so I want to talk about that with you guys as well. And what else changes? And I'll tell you one example: like signing Dwayne Brown makes no sense to me at this point. Like signing a super aged left tackle when you like, sorry, Drew Locke, if you are a quarterback, I don't really care if you get hit this year. Like that's not my primary concern. Like I want to find a left tackle. So if Stone Forsyth can be that fine. If you want to use the number nine pick on a left tackle, fine, but do not almost any positions. I, I don't want to see guys that are 35 years old and older, like, that's not what this year should be about, um, in my opinion. So that was one. Um, I was trying to think if there's anyone else that like that changed priority-wise for me or position that changed priority-wise given. I will say, Jeff, you were so downtrodden. You said, I'm not going to get my hopes up that they're going to sign a center. And they went out. They got you, Austin Blythe. Like, yeah, come on, man. It's, it's better than I was expecting because the center list went off the market really quickly. Uh, and I was like, oh, God, I was right. Blythe is fine. He's a spiller. He's a stopgap. He knows the offense. He was a guy we did advocate last year because he played with Shane Waldron and Dickerson. But, like, I'm not going to lie. He's not a guy, like, people are fired up about. He's, no. he's just – he was a backup last year to our buddy in Kansas City, Creed Humphrey. Ab. Yes. Yes. So – I think it does allow them to potentially draft a center. I don't want to get excited about that either because it's actually a pretty good center draft, but he'd be a great hedge. Like to me, if 
that just signals at least a different line of thinking that they've been doing, that's good. But it's not the fridge and center I'd be talking about them investing in. So, so Nathan, like, yeah, I mean, are there any other positions or, or things that you had thought were priorities that you wanted to see happen with the Seahawks before the Russell move that's now changed for you? No, and so I was kind of tweeting about this today because I think the most interesting thing for me after the rest trade has settled is that, like, I don't feel a lot differently about the team. Obviously, they have a gaping hole at quarterback, and there's a lot of questions about how will Russ look in a different offense and what what will a, a different quarterback look like in Pete's offense and all of those Russell arguments that we've been having forever. But ultimately, they had a person who was playing at a super high level at quarterback most of the time, at least. Uh, and they had troubles getting over the hump. And so... They, I, I still need to see them build a team that can get over the hump, like around whoever their quarterback is, right? And so, like, I still want to see. I mean, maybe that's why I'm a little bit not totally into the rebuild thing too, and I'm more likely to lean towards, hey, go for it. Is because I just want to see what they can do and what kind of team they can put together. And maybe they're, maybe Pete's been right about rest, and there's all the rest detractors have been, you know, somewhat right, and he really is holding things back and. There are things they can't do, and you can get a you lesser. I don't really think that's possible. You don't really think all of a sudden they're going to take off with Drew Locke at quarterback. You I don't, don't know, that. man. What else do I have? Like, what else do I have to do with this team? Like, they're, they're, I'm probably going to watch them win, like, six games for the next four years. Like, let me hope for a minute here. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, go trade for Matt Ryan and go sign Chandler Jones and play your Pete ball and prove me wrong. And I'd like to watch a winning football team again. So mm. that's, I guess, so no, I guess the answer, I, I went on a tangent, but uh, no, I, nothing's changed for my priorities. I, I still want to see them do the thing. I want to see them be good at building a team. What do you think Matt Ryan would cost in a trade? Could you get him for a third? I, I think so. His contract, um, his contract's exorbitant. Why would you, a third even seems high. I think he's, He's still too good and he's too important that, to that team, I think, that for them to... Like, we were talking, like, would you have traded Bobby last year for a third? I mean, I guess me and you would probably. But even that for me is a little... Right, going into... Uh, there, there's kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, it's probably better, but, like, I don't know. Doesn't do much. Yeah. I would like to see Matt Ryan on this team. Like, the, the number one quarterback that I would like to see on this team next year, and it's not close, is Gardner Minshew. Like, 100%. I don't think that he's, like, the next you know, God's gift, but I would love to cheer for that dude. I think he's hilarious. And I think he's put up actually pretty good numbers um, relative to, and I think he's exactly Pete's kind of quarterback. He has a low turnover, um, you know, moves, moves around mobile, you know, got a lot of moxie, you know, the guy that's going to pull something out. He's also like limited. Like, I think he's the ideal guy to sit in there. And I would, I don't know, man. I would trade a third for him. For Gardner Minshew? Yeah. Wow, I would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I would. Do you I mean, think he's like a long-term starter or just like a stopgap? I think he is. I think he's a stopgap with the potential to surprise. 
So here's uh, here's what I don't what doesn't jive with me. If you are going to trade a third for Gardner Minshew, you should be all in on like a Chandler Jones, right? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, you're talking about because it's a third round pick. Yeah, I, you're giving up of some value. You're expecting, and, and Minshew's a, a floor guy, if nothing else, right? You're not going to bottom out with him. So your idea of like. If oh Chandler Jones is gonna get you from the eleventh pick to the fourteenth pick, well, so is Gardner Minshew, right? So like at that point, go for it, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that. I just, uh, man, I would just like to cheer for that guy. I have no interest in cheering for Drew Locke. Like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I Jake Beeson, like. <laughs> I don't know. I once thought he was going to be a good quarterback because he's got tools, but the guy seems like he's got a nickel brain. No offense. I mean, I think that's offensive, so sorry. But, um, you know, he just has not shown that he's got what it takes. There's been some pretty damning stuff that came out about him in Indianapolis <laughs> about play, about knowing the plays. But um, Geno Smith, Geno Smith had the exact same PFF rating, the exact same passer rating as one very own, our very own Russell Wilson last year. So I think he's the same quarterback as Russell. Uh, we all know that. No, I, I don't really want to cheer for Gino either, but no. Gino seems like the guy. I mean, if we're being honest, that seems like a pretty good chance. He's totally like a Tavares Jackson kind of, you know, guys that rally around him, but maybe not really that good. That seems like that could be the guy. He's got to be the worst. Like, from a fan perspective, I think Gino has to be the worst case. He's the worst case for me. Yeah. I don't want to see Gino. Gino doesn't do anything for me. I, I don't, I, I'll, give me Tyrod Taylor. Give me Gardner Minshew. Give me Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would be in love. You know, I mean, at least give me new. Give me, again, like, what else do I have? Like, you just traded Russ. You, you know, all by all accounts, Pete sounded like off his rocker in this press conference and they just chased after Deshaun Watson. That is not like that's, that was very upsetting for me. So just give me something new that I can think about and, you know, pretend for a minute, not Gino, man, not Gino. What about Baker Mayfield? Yeah. If the Browns somehow get Deshaun Watson. Are you talking about like over Gino or like, do I want that? I'm just talking about him in general. Okay. We're going through different quarterback options. I, I like Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I probably need to give up the ghost on that one, but I haven't quite yet. I just think he's going to be too expensive. Like, I don't – like, I, are they really going to trade him for, like, a second or a third-round pick? I would – I mean, yeah. I would think so. I mean, I – I don't know that they can cut bait like that. Like that might be what his value is, but like, are they going to do that? No, well, if they signed Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Well, there's also talk. They might do it anyway. I think the relationship might be fractured. Yeah. It might be hard to come back from. So there's a lot of talk of Jimmy Garoppolo in the upper Cleveland. If they don't care. <laughs> there, that's a little, that's a very buzzy thing going on right now. That would just be a one for one swap though, basically. Right. Pretty much. What I mean, was, it's just, what, could Seattle offer Drew Locke? How, how long do they have to wait till they can trade him again? <laughs> I think they can trade him now. I think it's Throw in Jason Myers. Throw in Jason. Why is Jason Myers still in the Seahawks? You know, John <laughs> has been very clear for many years that he only cuts players when he needs the cap space. So I don't think people being they on – They cut like, Benson Mayo today. I know. 
I know. And I think it was relative to signing a player. I, we can talk. I don't know if we're going to get into this or not. We'll see yeah. how much time we have. But I think there are signs based off of what they've done today that their defense could be schematically pretty different than what it's been. I wouldn't be surprised. We talked about Bobby getting cut uh, or released, I should say, um, from a cap perspective. I don't know if there's going to be a middle linebacker next year. Well, it'll be Brooks, right? No, I mean, there might be two inside backers. Um, oh, I see. Part of a three, four. And, yeah. the, you know, Barton and and Brooks inside. And, you know, Wosu is an outside backer. And, you know, maybe um, Daryl Taylor is an outside backer. I don't know. Like, so. so the, yeah. The defense like is starting to changing. Yeah. The well, defense is starting to take shape. You can see the personnel. Yes, Nathan. I was going to say, if you would ever let me talk about bear fronts on this podcast, then maybe you would know that. You talk about been... bear fronts on the podcast all the time. You just don't need <laughs> to ask about them in press conferences. That's a totally yeah. different. Um, sorry, Jeff, you were saying that the defense well, is going to take shape. I'm, I kind of went through it today. And, you know, okay, so if you're looking at more of a 3-4 and Nathan's bear fronts or anyone's bear fronts, uh, um, so you got Enwosu and Dunlap on the edge. On the other edge, you have Taylor. Nose tackle, you got Al Woods and Monet. And then inside of the rusher, you have Ford and Shelby Harris. So that group is pretty rounded out. And then you have Brooks and potentially Barton at inside linebacker. They got three or four corners right now. You got Sidney Jones, Trey Brown, Burns, Ugo, and they have their two safeties. So there's really not much left to do. So I think if you look at that group, it makes sense why they moved on from Mayo. They have four edge guys with Elton Robinson. And this draft is supposed to have really good linebacker talent in the second to fourth round range. There's a lot of really fast linebackers, which is how they got Bobby Wagner in the first place. There's a guy from Georgia, Chandler Tyndall, who some of the draft guys really like. There's another guy from Wisconsin. So that could be a top three or four round pick. And all of a sudden their defense if they add another quarterback in there, maybe some more edge talent. It's a pretty rounded out group, right? There's not much to do there other than just get younger players. But it does look like it's going to look a lot different than it's looked in the last couple of years. Yeah. Not a particularly exciting defensive line group for me. Yeah. In the draft? No. No. Oh. I'm talking about on no, the roster. Uh, they, they, oh. should, they should draft. They need to draft there. Maybe at two spots. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm actually like people in the chat are like, Oh, the cornerback group is crap. I, I, I like kind of okay with our corner group. Um, especially if they draft another safety seems okay. A linebacker, they need another, I think Cody Bart- Barton is not good. Um, I've been on record of saying that. So um, the, I, I think they're going to draft some more. I think they need to draft somebody and I, I don't want them to sign somebody for that position. It's not a high enough value no. position. Just get no, some you want speed, plug them in. Um, it's kind of like running back. I've always said linebacker, um, which by the way, I'm really hoping that they sign Rashad Penny. I almost value him more now uh, without Russ. I, he would be entertaining to watch as long as he's out on the field. Um, that's how I feel. I'm going to stay, stick with that. <laughs> I'm legitimately surprised they haven't yet. That seemed like a day one free agent move for them. Takes yeah, time I mean, to work James on a Connor signed, right? There's a few running backs signed. Connor, Chase Edmonds, uh, 
Raheem Mostert signed with the Dolphins today. He's back with Mike McDaniel. Um, there's someone else, but Edmonds. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if those messed him up because I think it. I mean, for me at least, Connor got more than I thought he would. He did. He did. Uh, and so I wonder if they are now not seeing quite eye to eye with Penny on whatever they made the details they had talked about earlier. Hmm. Yeah, not much movement in the top of the record. Like Leonard Fournette's still out there. Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. What do you think DK makes of all this? I think DK was really happy to see those Christian Kirk numbers. <laughs> that was amazing. That was an amazing contract. Chris Godwin and Mike Williams signed the same contract, I believe it was. I think it was $20 million a year for three years. So I imagine that's like the number – is that the number two receiver contract? So if that sets essentially floor – He's just probably waiting for that Devontae Adams contract to drop. He's he's in a good spot. Um, do you guys want to keep DK as it is? You want to trade him? I want to. I want to keep him. I mean, you know, we can talk all all day long about like, does it make sense to do Chandler Jones or Gardner Minshew or some of those things? But like, DK is in a different class. He's young. You can pay him a lot of money. You can be bad for three years and he will still be in his prime when you're ready to contend, right? If you're ready to contend this year, next year, whenever, like you got a long runway with him. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I've seen, there is the chatter that they should trade DK because they're rebuilding now. Like that's the guy you want to get if you rebuild. So yeah, I don't really get that one. Yeah. As someone who's on the rebuilding train, I am against trading DK as well. That's sort of the point I'm saying with the model I want to get back to. Having the rookie contract for a quarterback allows you to pay your blue chip players. It allows you to aggressively add blue chip players. And if you trade DK for, say, the 12th overall pick, you know, you're drafting Garrett Wilson for maybe that's four years from cheap, but you're hoping he's DK. And to me, the whole getting rid of Russell's contract, getting rid of Bobby's contract, that allows you to pay DK. And then if they can get a rookie for the next five years, on that rookie scale, that to me, it's a no-brainer. Right? He's exactly who you want. Tyler Lockett's a little older. He's 30 years old now or 31. Who else are you really going to pay on this team coming up? So to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. The interesting one maybe, and this has been one that we've talked about a lot, but what about Jamal Adams? Like, what about I, I, I think you have to rebuild this value. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe um he is a little bit he's more odd man out now with this team yeah. than dk is to yeah, me great. now why? i mean why uh, you just signed him to an extension last year he was yeah. being he was totally miscast in how he's being used and you've got a whole defensive coaching staff that's now changing the defense that should be able to take give him a chance to play in a different scheme than he was playing for sure last year and he's young so wh- why is he not? I don't what get that. now though. Twenty six. Yeah. Okay. So how soon do you think this team will be? I mean, again, like I, I I'm on the. I'm not advocating for this necessarily, but I think if you're maybe realistic about where they probably are, he is probably going to be declining by the time the team is ready to be really good again. Like okay. he he is a little. He's not. It's not like terrible, and there's no like, but you know. If you were thinking about trading him, 
I think it makes sense to do it at this point. I mean, depending on what their all their grand schemes are for the team, but that seems that seems out of left field to me. Like, other than you know, I know there's folks that just don't don't believe in him or don't think he's you know great and just want to try to recoup value. I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but um, I mean, his value couldn't be lower than it is right now, and coming off an injury, coming off not a great year, coming off just signing his contract extension. Um, I don't know. I, he's still super young. So I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what he and Quandre do um, in this new scheme and how they get used. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that Jamal Adams could come bounce back and be a, a good player again next year. But you know, he has to get healthy first and stay that way. Bringing back digs in the first place, I think just rules it out completely. But I, if you're looking at like a, one of these young players that you might, or one of the still prime players, right? If you're talking about like, oh, what about DK? To me, I'm way, I'm way more interested in trading Adams than DK, just from a what what you know getting some value that might be part of your next great. Yeah, team. the thing, the, the reason DK comes up is like. It's not going to happen, but it's not totally out of the realm that you'd say, could you get two first round picks for DK? It's not totally out of the realm of possibility. It's not going to happen, but that it's a conversation. Probably get a third for Jamal at this point. Like, I, I, I think the value's higher than that, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So that, I mean, that maybe that's the difference is you, you think, you think there's more to get. I, I just would be surprised at this point um we only got a few more minutes left i want to touch on trent brown the trent brown news that that came out because we didn't talk much about that i talked about Dwayne brown was not super high on my list anymore um trent brown is a massive man i think he's 360 plus pounds he's about to turn 29 next month uh has only had two healthy seasons in his career uh every other year he's played less than 600 snaps but he's been very good when he's healthy like, and he's generally played right tackle, but he's also played left tackle. So Jeff, what do you think of Trent Brown? And what do you think they're looking at him for? Like left tackle or right tackle? I would think left tackle, but I think what, to me, the number one thing I'm hoping for, and I think we're learning a lot about how people handle breakups from this whole thing, um, from the Russell thing. And I'm certainly a little petty and, the one thing I'm really hoping for now that Russell's gone is that they actually build a really good offensive line. I, I find that very amusing that if they actually start investing in good offensive linemen and they actually could rebuild this group now that Russell's gone, I would really enjoy that. So <laughs> Trent Brown. Yeah, I know I'm twisted. Um, Trent Brown to me makes it is really exciting on that front because he can do both. He played left tackle in new England. He's mostly been a right tackle and he was, he was a left tackle for their Super Bowl team. They were having a big problem the year before and they trade for him and really stabilized them. He played right tackle with the Raiders and him and Gabe Jackson have chemistry. They played beside each other. He's just a guy who like at times is just disinterested. He gets hurt. There was a lot of questions about whether he was just like taking time off with the Raiders. So I don't know how great he'd be with the fit if the Seahawks suck this year. It might be like a bad locker room guy, but they have Stone Foresight. They have Jake Curran right now. I imagine they're going to draft a tackle somewhere to be high. So I think it just gives you the flexibility to do both. And to me, that makes a ton of sense. 
and I'm seeing right now Jeff Schwartz is roasting Russell for something he said today, so I'm excited about that too. But you see, Russell said he watched all 17 Broncos games on his vacation, and he's being made fun of by all the players in the league apparently because the Broncos are running a new offense this year and they fired all their offensive coaches. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is I'm, I'm taking solace in any Russell thing now. Before I would have got defensive with that. So. Again, I just I really like the Trent Brown idea. I said before this press conference today, I thought a lot of the personnel news was today, not the other day. The other day I was really annoyed. But today I was really into all the personnel decisions they made today. And seeing Trent Brown come to visit, I think that's a good thing for what they need to be in the next. If they're going all in on people and leaning into the Waldron offense, one of the things they had in the Rams is they had quicker guards. Austin Blythe fits that mold, but they had big, really big tackles. They had Havenstein and Whitworth. Those guys are huge. So Trent Brown does fit that mold a lot, more so than maybe a Jake Curran, who's more of like a hand-fighting tough guy who's not great in pass protection. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, was happy to hear. I mean, any investment in the, the line, I'm, I'm good. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, Nathan, we've only got a few more minutes left. I'm going to ask you a different question unless you had – like strong Trent Brown feelings you wanted to share. Nope. Um, what's your hope at, right now? You got some time. What's your hope of where they spend the ninth pick? Assuming that they stick at the ninth pick, they don't trade back, but let's just say that they pick ninth. Where do you want them to go first? Like not person, but position. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would love for them to have to feel confident in a quarterback and take a quarterback at nine. Wow, really? Yeah, absolutely. I don't necessarily have the confidence in any of the quarterbacks that might be there. Uh, I don't know about, you know, yeah, Willis or Ritter or some of these other guys. But if that they if they stayed at nine and took one, I would just be happy. I would I, there would I would be. They were confident. They went for it. So that'd be good. Um, uh, and then after that, it's just one of the line positions, right? Either cross maybe, and, you know, maybe you move him um, or figure out left tackle or uh, um, uh, yeah. I mean, any of the Cibido or, you know, any of those guys that on the, the defensive, uh, the edge rushers, um, they're all pretty, pretty fun. So um, I think that's probably where I ultimately kind of hope they go because that's where I believe in the talent more, but it would be cool to see them really swing for it at quarterback. Jeff, how about you? Uh, to me, I, I think left tackle would be great. I think Charles Cross, if he slips down to nine, his like turn the card in and seconds pick. But I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think there's just too many teams who need tackles. So I think the position I'm hoping for, and if Brian, we talked a lot about this during the playoffs is, I think they need a blue chip defensive line. And you see Daryl Taylor, he showed some really promising signs last year. And even like Nuoso, he, he's got really good metrics, but I don't think anyone sees him as like the blue chip defense. He's, he's a traditional, he's a rusher. He fits the defense, but he's not blue chip. To me, what I want this team, and you see what's going on in the AFC West. You saw the Raiders add Chandler Jones, the pair with Max Crosby. You saw Khalil Mack, I talked about jealousy of the Chargers. It's like Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. To me, and you watch these playoff games, there's all the talk about Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford and 
what wins in the playoffs. If you watch almost every one of those playoff games, it was blue chip defensive line and blue chip defensive linemen taking over the game. We've just talked about the need for a game record on this defense for years. We haven't really seen a performance other than that one Jadavion Clowney game in years. And you watch the playoffs, and it's what won. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, you're not going to get Aaron Donald, obviously. So I don't know if that's Jermaine Johnson. I need to dig into this draft more. Thibodeau would be awesome. I think someone that projects like that, which really set the group up for the future, because Dunlap's probably nearing the end of his career. And the pair like Taylor with, say, a blue-chip defensive lineman and Uosu, that's a group you can really set the tone for. And you pair that kind of pass rush with a young quarterback in the next year or so, to me, that's a great model to rebuild the whole team. And to me, getting that defensive line group in the top 10, they just haven't been in a position to draft those guys. And those that's where the blue-chip defensive linemen typically go. So I'd be very happy with a left tackle, obviously. But the top corners in this draft are really interesting. They're really fun. I just don't think Seattle will go that way. Like Sauce Gardner is a really fun prospect. And so is Stingley, who's been banged up. So, so those guys I'd be pretty pumped about. But to me, finding that blue-chip defensive lineman, to me, changes the outlook of this team's future so much. So I think you're right about the defensive line impact in the playoffs. But the other thing that uh, I think would be important to call out there too in terms of impact in the playoffs would be elite coaching talent and elite coaching trees. Uh, massive, massive impact. Shane so, Waldron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We so got the one bad guy. Can I just say that one of the biggest trolls, I didn't watch the press conference, but I saw some of the quotes. One of the biggest trolls that happened today was John Schneider saying that Shelby Harris is going to be great in the locker room. That was pretty harsh. Um, <laughs> that's the best you could offer. He's a good locker room guy. Um, I would be, I wouldn't quite be Creed Humphrey level pissed but i would be very upset if they use their first pick on a quarterback um the reason being is it's already got all the makings of a class that does not deserve you to bet your franchise on it i think that if you can get a guy later and they work out great you should definitely draft a quarterback great but if you take someone first and you take them ninth overall you're that's you for the next four or five years for sure. Like you're, you're now invested in that player. And this is not the year to do that, in my opinion. And the roster has too many other holes. I don't want them to start that clock yet. I don't want them to be locked in on that yet. So for me, like, I think you start with left tackle. If you can, if you can get a good one up there, that would be my first choice. But then it's edge and corner. You know, if, if, for example, if someone fell, like my favorite, First round pick approach is whatever you like, great. But if someone falls that has like ultra blue chip, platinum chip upside, and you didn't expect them to be there, you take them. That, that was that was Steve Hutchison for the for the Seahawks back in the day. They didn't expect him to be there. They didn't necessarily have a huge need at that position, but you take them. And so, you know that. I wouldn't be upset. I guess I would be a little disappointed. <laughs> this might sound hypocritical if they pick one of the centers. Like I've seen center mocked to them a couple times. I don't want to center at the ninth pick. Like no, that's not, not the positional value I'm looking for with this team. So um, yeah, I, it becomes more interesting. Um, and 
you know, Jeff, you've mentioned a bunch, but this, this draft is super deep in edge rushers. And so getting the best of a deep group is a good thing. Um, normally the Seahawks approach depth in a draft by taking some other position first and then using later picks because they can still get a guy that was on their board somewhere. So we'll see how that goes. The one thing I would say about the quarterback and getting locked into that, you don't have to, you don't, it doesn't have to, I mean, it's sunk cost, right? And you're right that a lot of teams feel that way and go that way with it, but like the Cardinals didn't, right? I mean, they took uh, Rosen 10, right? Yep. So you only get locked into the quarterback if you choose to get locked into the quarterback. Um, and I think there's some indication that John, in, you know, gets sunk cost fallacies. Like they, they didn't trade a little for Charlie Whitehurst. They, they gave up some for him and they weren't beholden to him. Uh, they weren't beholden to Matt Flynn. Uh, and they weren't beholden to Russell Wilson. <laughs> they just traded that dude. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe John's the type of guy that is just cutthroat enough to, you know, take a guy at nine and still come back to the, the well the next year. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of buzz that the Seahawks do like Malik Willis. And I don't know if he'll even make it to nine, but that's interesting because usually when the Seahawks do have like quarterbacks in the past, well, especially with Russell, they went to like extreme lengths to make it secretive. So I don't know if this is a smoke screen going around, but there was a lot of chatter from people. I know Matt Miller was talking about it. Some people I've heard behind the scenes were telling me about it. I don't know if that'll happen, but man. They're just would... not ready to be the bully on the block yet. And I want uh, hey, them to I, get back yeah. to being a bully. And that is about other positions than quarterback. And so like, I want them to spend as many resources on making this a badass like physical team as possible and then sprinkle in the quarterback later like doesn't mean that they'll do that but I really really believe in that approach here and um I just think this roster's it needs more like yeah. it, it needs it needs a full draft it needs a full draft I think I think too before you add a quarterback in my mind I, I'm totally fine with taking a flyer and the third round or the fourth round or whatever, but nine overall, oof, man, I would be pretty pissed. But I, if you believe in a guy, like if yeah. you think, if you think Willis is a Josh, Josh Allen level talent, are you passing on Josh Allen just because it's the he's wrong year? Oh, like, is he like, I don't, I don't know. Have you watched that. the snap of his? I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, it, it is possible. I'll acknowledge it. That, that, that's possible. I just, it is so rare for a guy to get like very limited buzz all this time. This is what happens every year. Like when there's a weak quarterback draft, and Gabbard, and they start like talking up the guys that are the best of that draft. And because it's such a valuable position, people get excited. And if, they if they're physically gifted, like Willis is, that even like amplifies because you can see highlights. You're like, wow, he's got like some real physical talents. Well, Trey Lance has some amazing physical talents. He fucking sucked last year. Like he looks awful. I don't want that. Like I don't want to be locked into that. So yeah, it just feels, it feels like one of those years and you could hit, you could get like, maybe it's Lamar Jackson 31 or whatever he got picked. Right. It happens. It happens. But if you're picking 31 and doing that, I feel a lot different than nine and doing that. So 
Yeah, I think Josh Rosen is a perfect example of what I don't want to see happen. But if it leads you to get Kyler the next year, it's not worth it. That's the other thing, too. Like, can Malik be bad? Like, if you do whiff, can you be bad enough to actually go and – I mean, I don't think this team's going to be in in position to get the number one pick no matter how bad they whiff on it. But Uh, I don't know. The the, the flip side of this is, too, you know, uh, like everybody – like people argued for months about who was better Winston or Mariota and they're both so great. Oh my God. And they're, they're both like backups. So, you know, you wait next year and you think you got a good class or something and you, you either miss on the one that's good or it just isn't. And, you know, yeah. I think the one thing that I'm hoping for, I think if you just pulled Seahawks fans right now, I, Brian, you should put out those polls right now. I'd be so interested to see, but I think Pete and John have a pretty low approval rating right now within the fans. And I think around the league, the way the Seahawks are talked about was very different than how they were talked about six or seven years ago. So a lot of people, they're kind of a joke. And the Drew Locke comments, if you don't know the context, to me, it's an easy laughing point. So to me, the thing that like I want to happen more than anything else is they need to make the draft a strength again. Because they have so many key picks coming up which we're only set there, just set the next table for the next level of this roster. So the thing I just hope again is that they can start doing well in the draft again because they've gone so far away from that, a little better the last couple of years, but just some of their like over outthinking the room, approaching the draft room, they really need to start nailing this. And this is the highest picks they've had in years. So this top 10 pick, they, they need to get back to what made this team good in the first place. And if they keep their, again, their approval rating to me has to be so low right based on how things have gone. I don't know what you could hold hang your hat on right now. To me, this is everything about the future for them and just their legacy in general. Excuse me, sorry. It's just a mute when I do that. Um, the um, cool thing though about that press conference is they're pissed. <laughs> they're coming out swinging. Like it, 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 Schneider was like, was asked about Drew Locke and he said a lot of stuff, but one of the things that was really funny is like, well, I think the media has kind of buried him. Like, yes, but the media <laughs> didn't go bad. out. The media didn't go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater last year. Like, <laughs> like Denver obviously had an opinion about this guy that wasn't super high either. So, um, but hey, man, they're taking shots. They're talking a little shit. They are feeling themselves. And, you know, you never know how much of that is. Oh, boy, did we just really mess up in a false bravado? But uh, that'll be fun, at least. I mean, again, like, just have a vision go for it go out swinging hopefully go out but go out swinging uh and we'll just see what happens like i said at the beginning i'm actually i'm enjoying this in a lot of ways you know it feels like a fresh start it feels like a chance to just whether you like it or not I, i happen to to build build the type of team that pete likes to build um so i i like that kind of team and um doesn't mean it's going to be as great as we all hope it is but 2010 2011 seahawks were kind of like headed towards being badasses and i i like that um so we will see uh any closing comments from either of you jeff before we wrap this up and folks Come on, give us a like on the show. We've got hundreds of people watching. We'd really appreciate it if you could give us a like. Uh, subscribe, one click, click the bell to get notified when we go live because you never know 
what could happen next. And then, of course, go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join up there. Um, get immediate access to the Slack channel. And uh, all the proceeds go to charity. We're going to talk about that, by the way, not tonight. But I have been really soul searching. There's a, there's a charity switch I might want to do for this year. I'm going to talk to patrons about it before we make the call. But um, I'm going to let people know that that's on my mind. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger would be great to have you guys join the conversation. Jeff. Any closing thoughts? Uh, if you hadn't seen it, I highly recommend you go back and watch that press conference today. I want to go back and watch it again. I feel like there was so much that was happening that I missed a bunch of things. Like Snyder had some interesting comments at the end. He was saying, he was talking about his Ted Thompson relationship that he used to have. He's passed away, but he hasn't been drafting quarterbacks enough in the draft. And there were just little hints that came out at the end. I was just so dumbfounded from Pete's opening rant where he was talking about like John Wooden and Colin Kaepernick and how his whole program is built. It was, it was crazy. So I anyone just go back and watch that press conference. If there's something you take away, it'll be interesting. But man, like it was all over the place. They were talking about Bobby Wagner and at first they were admitting a stake and then they started falling on their face. It was, it was just, it felt like an SNL skin. So I, I highly recommend everyone go watch that you'll learn a lot about their mindset. And as they said, they're, they're fired up. They're double downing on themselves. And it was just crazy how bad, even the way the PR messages came where Jody Allen even cut out and said, Russell wanted to leave. And Russell got a little weird about it. So just so much interesting things going on around that team. I'm just curious to see what they do next. Cause I really don't have a grip on their plan yet. And these last few days just made it more confusing to me. Well, I also heard Nathaniel Hackett made some creepy comments about Sierra. So that's always, that's always good to listen he to. Came, well. He came, he was, he's a little weird. <laughs> uh, His Nathan, opening comments. For any closing thoughts from you? The, the thing that was super interesting, because I missed the first part of it. So I, I might have a different opinion after I hear Pete's filibuster, which I've never heard anything in a press conference described as a filibuster. So I'm interested to go back and catch it. But uh that when you were saying that john was talking about trying to draft a quarterback every year and the ted thompson thing he interrupted the pr guy who was like okay thanks everybody we're done and john's like no hold up one minute i want to go back to this question about drafting quarterbacks and he had this whole spiel and even pete was like you know we're done right And he's like well i just feel like i got cut off a little bit and so like for him to come in at the very and i have no idea what it means i mean i have some like I think you can is it is he is he trying to make a point and cover for showing too much interest in a, in the nine pick for a quarterback or is he is he does he know you know he knows like you know I mean who knows but I uh I don't think I've ever seen a GM be like no actually PR guy I want the press conference to keep going and I'm going back to a, qu- a question from like three questions ago so yeah. uh go watch it it was interesting it was entertaining I'll put it on my list. I'll put it on my list for sure. Everybody, thank you for joining us tonight. Nathan, at Nathan E11, Nathan Ernst, uh, thank you. Uh, Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in. It's fun. Uh, We're going to have more to talk about. I don't think the Seahawks are done. There's more to do. And we will keep you abreast of what's going on as best we can through all of it. So take care. Have a great night. And... Since there's no one left to say it, go Hawks. Oh, God. <laughs> He's got a new punchline. It's brutal. Right hard. Oh, wait. Yeah. What? No. Is that what he says? He said it 
like three times today. I don't How know if it's right hard, but it's like Sierra feel about that. It's right on or right on, <laughs> right in or something like that. Oh, he was so cringe today. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. He thanked Tater. He thanked Tater in his <laughs> opening line. He thanked Tater, Charlie Martin, and Geno Smith. Wow. I miss our horny, cringy robot. Those are the three people that on the team that liked him. Is that why? Or well, you know, he like. He opened with Paul Allen and he called Pete Carroll Hall of Fame coach and saved okay. his career. And it was just like, you fucking hated these guys. You know, <laughs> they're so full of shit. He didn't hate Pete Carroll or Paul Allen. Paul. Oh. I, think the most, I think the most interesting thing to come out of this is I think Pete and Russ were actually tight. And I do. I think John was the one who is, I think John might be a sociopath. What? Why? I want to hear more about this. I, think, I don't know, like, Pete and, and Russ seem to have an actual relationship, and, like, John Schneider was just like, I'm excited to get back to cutting people and having a young team, and, and like, and then he turns around and he wants to go trade for Deshaun Watson and be yeah. like, ah, sexual assault, I don't care. Like, does that dude have a, I don't know, you know John, so I'm not going to be too mean, but, like, does he have a soul? Are we sure? Like, he absolutely has a soul. He's, like, the realest dude in that building. Um, so. Uh, it seems like he was the one that i mean led the charge on getting rid of his baby boy that he fought so hard to draft and all that so i don't know he's an interesting a good reason for that um maybe he didn't want to ride anymore so um i don't know but it (laughs) let's ride oh wow oh yeah let's ride is that it let's ride well i guess maybe and the other thing is how much of it how much is this really is just john just fucking hates uh mark rogers Oh, I that's at least vice versa. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird that like the focus is on John. Like, it says we're live about Russ and about Mark Rogers. Are we live still? I pretty clearly think so. Like, John didn't start the rumors, like, he didn't. Yeah, I, I think, I think. If I was to guess, and for what it's worth, I do know John, but this is not coming from knowing John. This is just my assessment. I think once you indicate, like, one, that you're not fully in, two, that you start playing things through the press to manipulate and put pressure on him, I think he's like, fuck you. No, that was it. Without you. I, I, think that's, I think that's his personality is, like, you're not bigger than the team. The team is bigger than you. We want people here that are part of the team. So I think one of their one of the articles, either Sando or Mike Dugers or Albert Breers, said last year when uh, Mark Rogers called him, I think John Schneider told him to fuck himself and hung up the phone. I think that was right in the article. So <laughs> Nathan so, just uh, reminded us that we're still alive. I know we're still alive, Nathan. I, I was not. I he asked you, and you didn't say anything. I would not have joked about John Schneider not having a soul if I knew we were still alive. I don't actually. <laughs> Donate to Ben's fund. Just so you guys know, they, our conversations are not much different when we're when we're offline than when we're on. Slightly so. more raw, but no, I do yeah. not actually believe that. <laughs> awesome. All right, we do have to go. I've got to get some sleep. I got to answer like engineering questions tomorrow that I have no business answering. So uh, we'll figure this all out. But thank you all. Good night.